Good morning, everybody. Good morning, High Point Church. Pastor Andy here. Um, I think we are officially live. Had a couple of technical challenges there. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, drop a comment uh, right quick and say good morning. Let me know where you're watching from. I want to be able to interact a little bit here uh, as we are live this morning. Uh, if you're watching, I know that there's one person right now. <laughs> uh, we were originally planning to have an outdoor service this coming Sunday or today. And um, for obvious reasons, weather related, uh, we were not able to have that. So great to be with you here this morning. Um, the King family uh, just returned literally last night from a few days at the beach. It's been a couple of years since we've been out there. And so we literally zipped into town to get things rolling. Uh, good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Angel Grumbine family. What's up? Um, if you've never been a part of a live video like this, um, this is obviously 100% live. Uh, we like to give people just a minute or two uh, to jump on, uh, get things ready. Now's your moment to have your coffee ready. Um, uh, now's, your now's your moment to get set and prepared. Here's what I want us to do. Uh, as people are jumping on, some are jumping off, I want us to do something a little bit different today. I want you to comment right now, not with a favorite breakfast food that you have, but a breakfast food that you do not like. I want to hear from you. I want us to get real today on the breakfast food that you don't like. Hit us with it right here. I'm going to wait for some of these comments to jump in. Good morning, Bailey's, Hubbard's. Uh, Wes McDonald, good morning, from the Atlanta airport. Somebody hit me up here. What is the breakfast food that you do not like? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, for me, I don't do... Oh, no. The first comment is from Jenny Bailey, and it's painful to even just watch. I mean, donuts, bacon, and sausage. How do you not... I, what is even happening right now? This is painful. I can't even comment any longer. Guys, what's the breakfast food that you don't like? Kellen Shervington says eggs, despite the fact that he goes to the Golden Corral. I mean, there has to be 49,000 pounds of eggs happening there. Hash, runny eggs, yeah, no good. I'm with you on that. Runny eggs is gross. Let's see. These are good. You learn so much about people in these moments, you guys. You learn so much. Well, as we're waiting, if you jumped on, we're having a little fun this morning. Uh, we had a, an outdoor service originally planned for High Point Church. My name is Pastor Andy. If this is getting shared and somebody else is watching this uh, stream live, um, uh, I'm the lead pastor at High Point. This is High Point Online. Uh, we live in a county where the schools have been shut down, and so we typically have rented a school for church service. Uh, but because the schools have been closed in our county, we have not been able to rent our school. And so we've been, for the most part, um, online outside of some outdoor events. Uh, but our last outdoor event that we had planned for today got rained out. Um, so welcome. Guys, we're going to be talking about some, some very sensitive conversations today. We are going to be talking about the election coming up. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to have a biblical worldview and what it means for us as a church and as a people to contend for unity. 
Now, before we get into it, whether you, wherever you're watching from, I want you to understand this doesn't just pertain to High Point Church. This is the, the truth that you're going to hear today. You can apply literally in your church, even your organization, the business that you run, even your home, uh, your house. We're in a series called You, Inc., The Art of Leading Yourself, and we believe that God has called you uh, to lead others, but also to lead yourself. And there's never been a more uh, poignant time in my history as literally being alive than, 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 than what we need right now for, for self-leadership. Uh, so we're going to get into it here in just a second. Before I pray, I want to just mention a, a couple quick announcements. Uh, we were going to have the outdoor service at Swift Cantrell, and people were bringing cans, canned soups, uh, things of that nature, uh, because we're partnering with Must Ministries to help those who were in need heading into the colder months. Uh, since we're not meeting, hold on to those cans, and you're going to get some details here in the coming uh, days on our next outdoor service where you can bring and drop those cans off. We will be having another outdoor service. We just got to put together a couple more uh, details for you uh, as we head into October, if you can believe it. A couple other things. Um, live groups are officially launching, and I want to remind you, uh, this has been a tough stretch for a lot of folks, myself included, and one of the best ways for you to get growing, one of the best ways to just continue to, to build relationally is to be in a live group. Even if it meets online, uh, an online group is still a great way to connect and be real with folks and get growing. Uh, you can text HPINFO to 97000. In fact, you'll see that get, that's going to get... Uh, dropped in the comments here in just a second. Uh, that's how you can you can literally get connected to a life group in that moment. And then guys, just being really transparent, we, we're a young church and I want to remind, charge, challenge, encourage you to give and to really give sacrificially. Um, one of the greatest things that we get to do as Christians uh, is to lay down our lives for the sake of others in every area of our life. Uh, and that includes giving. And so I wanna remind you today, uh, if this is your church, give here. Give sacrificially here and let's make a difference together. Uh, we're, we're literally putting together all the different budgets to move forward because we believe God has called us, even in this season, to be a growing church, a church that's reaching new people, a church that's making a difference. And so your giving helps to accomplish all of that. Text HPINFO to 97000. You can get connected to a group and you can also give. With that, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to get into the message today. Father, thank you uh, for this time together as a church. Uh, literally on Facebook, are um, the other platforms that we're streaming through, God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you'd meet us in our living rooms, meet us in our homes. God, as we're managing devices, it's not ideal. It's not our best case scenario. We know that. Uh, but Lord, we are also so thankful that we have the technology that, aff that affords us the ability, um, Lord, to be together uh, online. And so, uh, God, help us in that moment. Uh, help us in this moment. God, be with us, Lord, especially in the coming weeks. We've got an election coming up, Lord, and it has been tearing people apart. And so, uh, Lord, I'm asking that you would minister and move and help us to be a unified body. 
it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. If you've got a Bible handy, uh, go ahead and turn there. Uh, this is what Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, a church that was strained, church that was feeling uh, the effects of being pulled in a lot of different directions, but not just like, you know, directions like, oh, just the, a casual direction. No, there was division happening um, in the church. Uh, there was division happening theologically. There were, there were core tenets of the faith that were literally under threat. And so Paul is calling the church to be unified. He's reminding them who they are as a people. And I want to remind you uh, as a people who, who you are, who we are as a church, not just High Point, but the body of Christ at large. This is what we get to do. You don't have to do this. You get to do this. Chapter 4, verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You, ladies and gentlemen, are called. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I'm going to read that again. Be completely humble, not a little bit humble. Not kind of humble, completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Amy and I and our four kids, uh, I mentioned it if you, if you missed it. We were at the beach for a few days. We got a little late, a little vacation in, some time away. It had been a long time since we'd been out uh, having a vacation, going to the beach. And it's interesting because, you know, you, you walk out to the beach and you, you set your little chairs up or they've got the little cabana chairs set up for you, whatever it looks like. And you sit there, but it, it, if your thing is kind of relaxing on the beach, there are scores of other people doing the same thing. And even though they might, they're socially distanced, uh, I can promise you when people are just sitting, you know, in proximity, you get to hear conversations. And when I say that every conversation was a similar conversation happening on that beach, um, it literally, literally every single conversation that we're overhearing was about the upcoming election. Everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, right? Every news article you get is, is putting something in front of you regarding candidates, regarding how to vote, how you should think, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there is an unprecedented amount of angst in division, uh, that's taking place in the body of Christ right now. And I want to talk about it. I, wanna, I don't want us to avoid difficult conversations as it pertains to, to church. And this is a difficult one. And I'm not going to sit here this morning and tell you who to vote for. That is not my responsibility. That's not my role. I'm not asked to do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and further, you're not going to hear about who I vote for. That's not what's going to happen. However, the Bible does shape 
how we view the world. And because that's true, it's important that we apply a biblical precedent to all of our actions. If you consider Jesus your Lord, then Jesus is Lord of everything. He's Lord of everything. And that includes how we carry ourselves and handle ourselves towards each other and towards our neighbor and towards strangers in an upcoming election. This is one of the more divisive times I've ever seen uh, in, in our country. And consequently, what does it look like for our church and your church, wherever you're watching from, to contend for unity? Right now, there are literally marriages that are getting, that are, people are divorcing over this. We have moms and dads and sons and daughters not talking to each other. Literally, they're walking away from family. We have people who leave are leaving churches. We have people who are offended. We, you've probably all seen it. If you're on Facebook regularly, you've seen, you've seen the friendship that completely dissolves in the comment section. And this is not God's best for us. It is not God's best for you. And so what does it look like to contend for unity? Let me even just set the, the stage here. Unity is the byproduct our, or, or sum total of our social, spiritual, and relational attitudes towards each other. Let me say that again. I love this definition. And I am a word nerd. I'm self-admittedly a word nerd, so bear with me. Unity is the byproduct or sum total of our social, spiritual, and relational attitudes towards one another. Therefore, how we treat each other has everything to do with whether we experience unity together. Let me give you an example of how this plays out because moving forward, I'm going to give you three ways, three things that we can do or not do to create an environment that promotes unity. Uh, I was at the beach. All the examples you're going to hear today literally are vacation examples. <laughs> I'm at the beach and, you know, there's family there. And some, one of the family members, vacation wasn't going to be vacation unless they got crab legs. They had one thing on their mind and their, their vacation would not have fully, they would not experience the, the true vacation life unless they'd had crab legs. You know what? I, did, I don't care about crab legs. I don't give a flying rip about whether or not I eat crab legs on vacation, but you know what I do care about? I care about sitting and reading a book and having nobody bother me. <laughs> that is vacation. And not a leadership book, not a church book, like a spy book, a Jack Reacher book. That is vacation to Pastor Andy. And jet skis, right? If I get those two things, vacation has been experienced. Yet for somebody else, vacation has not been experienced unless they eat a particular kind of food. Yet we're both there for the same reason. We are there to relax. We're there to experience winding down. And yet each of us have extremely different preferences in how we experience vacation. Now, I think you're understanding where I'm getting ready to go with this. We've bought into this lie many times that unity should mean uniformity. 
And when we talk about unity in the body of Christ, and we talk about unity in our church, and your church from wherever you're watching, it does not mean that unity does not equate to uniformity. We should not all be exactly alike. It is not going to be the case. There is not a homogenous church. That's not what we're looking for in this moment. There is diversity in thought, diversity in opinion. That's the reality of the world in which we live. In the same way that somewhat two people who are very alike can go on vacation and one person has to have this to experience relaxation and another person has to have this to experience relaxation. We have preferences. We have things that we are passionate about and things that we are excited about. And consequently, because that's true, because the body of Christ should be diverse, our experiences are going to be diverse. The things that we're passionate about are going to be diverse. Now, we should be on the same page regarding the essentials of the faith, regarding who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, that his kingdom should be coming and we should be living for him and representing him in all that we do. Those are non-essentials of the faith. But how that gets played out in your local governments, in politics, what the government is responsible for and what the government is not responsible for and how this works and how that works, there's going to be breadth and there's going to be diversity of thought. And that is a good thing. And a unified church uh, if you want to create unity, if we're going to create uh, unity, we have to choose to respect our brothers and sisters who have different opinions. I'm going to say that again. Unity is created when we make the difficult choice of choosing to respect our brothers and sisters who have different opinions than us. You have to make that choice. And then you've got to fight through that choice because everything right now in our culture is working to pit you and I against each other. As if you and I cannot be compatible because we think differently about some things. Now there are absolutely moral issues that the Bible speaks very clearly to. But just because the Bible speaks clearly on the whether or not something is right and wrong doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily see eye to eye on how we see that coming to pass and resolve and, and, and resolution in our actual communities. There are different ways to bring about the same goal of God's kingdom coming. I hope that makes sense to you. And so because that's true, we can choose to respect one another even when we don't see eye to eye. God help us to do that. I'm going to I'm going to make a confession to you right now. You know, in our condominium that we stayed at, there's an elevator, you know, and you you load all your stuff up and you go to the beach. You know, and if you've ever had kids and you go out <laughs> to sit in the sand, it takes you like 17 hours to get all the things that need to go to the beach, like in a little wagon or in your arms. I mean, you've got like, you know, the, the strap under the chin and stuff under the, the arms and lawn chairs and water and drinks and all, all the things. It takes forever to get out there. 
And so you, you take the elevator down, you get out, you take the elevator back up, or you take a break, or a kid has to go to the, whatever. <laughs> when I get on the elevator and somebody gets on the elevator and I have to go to like floor six or seven and the other person gets on and goes to floor two, I have to confess to you that there's judgment that happens in my heart. <laughs> there's a part of me that looks at the person who pushes two on the elevator and I think to myself, come on, bro. Like you can't walk the stairs. They're right there. Why are you going to slow me down like this? Now I'm laughing is the real judgment that's taking place in my heart. Maybe just a little bit, maybe just a little bit, right? But we do this, do we not? We make judgments about people. And we can joke about elevators. I see some of you are like, uh, same. I do the exact same thing. We make judgments regarding a bumper sticker that somebody has on their car. We make judgments uh, about people regarding how much money or lack of money that they have. We make judgments about people based on what clothes they wear and don't wear. We make judgments. We make so many large sweeping judgments about the nature of people based purely on observations that we're making from the outside looking in. And the, the Bible reminds us that God judges the heart, the attitudes and motives of the heart. And we miss this a lot. When we talk about faith and when we talk about elections coming up, uh, there's a word, I've posted about this before, in that um, everything works towards you and I demonizing somebody that thinks differently than you and I do, or that I do, or that you do. There's a demonization that happens in that I look at you and, and now I vilify you for being on the other side of, of, of the voting ticket. And how does that make any sense? And how does this honor God? And, and let me tell you one of the reasons that we do this. In, in a time like the, the time that we're in, there's a global pandemic. There's people that are experiencing tremendous hardship. People are out of work. People don't know what to believe. Um, there's misinformation. The, the list goes on and on. People are nervous. People are afraid. And so as Christians, we are taught to walk by faith and not by sight. The scriptures remind us that there is an enemy who is prowling around, right? There, are, there, is, a, there is a spiritual world looking to oppress you and I. All of that is true. But if we're not careful, we will, we will forget that this is an invisible world and we will try to bring it into the visible nature, the visible world. And it makes us feel safer. It makes us feel like we're in control to have an enemy that we can point to and say, this is the problem. You know what the problem is right now? You're the problem. Your party is the problem. Your candidate is the problem. And every bad thing that keeps me up at night, you and your party and the way that you vote, it literally is the fullness. It's the fulfillment and the embodiment of every bad thing that's happening in the world. That is simply not true. 
It's simply not true. I know so many incredible godly people that are going to be voting left, and I know incredible godly people that are going to be voting right. How can they both serve God and love God and yet be so totally different in how they vote? How do we create an environment that's unified in this moment? Well, we begin, number one, by respecting people who have different opinions than us. And number two, we reject the idea of demonizing people who think differently. We've got to reject the temptation and the tendency to do that. Not just in politics, by the way. Across life, that is not the Spirit of God at work in your life. It simply isn't. And so, um, you know, what do we do in this moment? Well, we let the Bible inform uh, you know, all of our decisions. We let the Bible inform how we look at people. We let the Bible inform how we, how we love one another. But you know what's interesting? Because we're all different, as you and I read the Scriptures... We can come to the same conclusion and should come to the same conclusion, you know, on, on what is righteous and what is unrighteous. But there are things that you are going to be passionate about that I am not quite as passionate about. Some of you will read the Bible and there will be a stirring inside of you in, in, in ways that's different than, than, than your neighbor regarding how to meet the needs of those who are poor. Now, all of us should be concerned about those who are poor or those who are in difficult situations financially, but others will be stirred in different ways regarding that. And you know what? That's a great thing. And consequently, how things are managed on a political ticket regarding budgets and regarding money and regarding disbursements, those are all going to be motivated by what is passionate to you as you're reading the Bible. There are different things that are stirred up inside of you as you read the scriptures. There are going to be different things. And that is okay. Now, we should all be, have godly concern for all the different things that the Bible tells us to have a heart for. But as I mentioned earlier, there are going to be things that you're passionate about, and there are going to be other things that I'm passionate about. And that's what makes up the diverse body of Christ. When we come together, we can meet the needs, the common good. And it's a beautiful picture of God's kingdom. Number three, one of the reasons that the church is so divided right now, just across our nation, is that for many of us, going to church and church itself has been our religion, rather than, than serving God and honoring him and making disciples. Now, making disciples is not your religion, right? But the byproduct of a passionate relationship with Jesus is that you would want to see, again, his kingdom come. You would accept the call upon your life to go and make disciples of all the nations, Matthew chapter 28, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. But because we, we, we've gotten distracted at times, we, we, we find it very easy to become divided because we don't have a unified 
purpose. And so what do you do in a moment like that? You recalibrate. So you have respect your brothers and sisters. You have reject uh, the idea of demonizing one another. And now you have recalibrating what, what is important, recalibrating your purpose. We've got a car, our van, it's beginning to drift on the interstate. When you, you get up to 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, we didn't go that fast, 70-ish miles an hour. But you can begin to feel the drift, right? And what do you need to do? You need to get the tires rotated. And there needs to be a recalibration that's happening. And in this moment, one of the greatest things that the body of Christ can do to create unity is to recalibrate and be reminded of what it is that we're called to do. We are called to make disciples. The ministry that we're a part of is called Every Nation. I love being a part of this ministry and our church is a part of this movement. And our vision is to see a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church, not only around the world, but specifically here in our part of greater Atlanta. This is what we're called to do. This is what we rally around. This is what we're unified around. To see a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church here in our city that's making disciples and making a difference. I am passionate about that. I'm still passionate about that. And I hope you are too. And then lastly, I wanna say this, this is to you, this is to me. Again, as we look at it, creating an environment that, that, that promotes unity, this can feel trivial. It can feel like, you know, the classic Bible school answer, Jesus, right? Even if your candidate loses this election, you need to be reminded that Jesus has not lost. Your candidate might lose, but Jesus has not lost. He has not lost. He is victorious. And even though the news would have, or, or social media really more and more particularly, it would have us all kind of look at this upcoming election in messianic terms, you know, that, that's, uh, that basically whatever happens is either the downfall or the godly, you know, exaltation of our country as if there's no future left. Each party is saying the same thing. Neither is true. Jesus is truly the one sitting on the throne. He is the one who saves. Are politics important? Yes. Is your uh, vote important? Yes, it is. Should you steward it and pray about it? Yes, you should. You should do that. But understand that no candidate, no government, and no party will be able to represent the throne room of heaven and Jesus Christ and his government, which will not fail, and that has all authority riding upon it. There is no one like Jesus. He is supreme. He reigns over all. And he is the one who gets all of my submission, all of my, all of, all of my worship, all of my faith, all of my trust. My trust is measured in the government and what it is able to do for me. And everybody said amen to that, hopefully. 
Look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes, For he himself, Jesus, Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He's talking about our separation between, between God. Sin has divided us. And there is a, as we're talking about unity, there is a reuniting that happens between you and God because of what Jesus has done. His government knows no end. His rule, his reign, his authority, his power. And so my allegiance starts first and foremost to him. And you need to be reminded of that. That just because your candidate might lose doesn't mean that Jesus has lost. And it doesn't mean that his kingdom is not still expanding or that you can't live for Christ or that somehow your community is now just going to go down in a ball of fire. Or I mean, that's just, it's just simply, it's simply not true. Follow Jesus. Be faithful to him. Let him Hold the fullness, the full allegiance of your heart and understand that in years to come, one of the things that is promised to you and to me is hardship for standing up for what is right and what is true. And so even if there is or were to be hardship that comes your way, you and I can stand strong because our anchor is in Jesus Christ. He is our anchor. One of the things, one, one of the things sitting on the beach, right? Sitting in a lawn chair. <laughs> Amy had the nice chair, okay? Amy had the nice chair. I had the little fold-up bendaby, you know, bendaby, bendable one, right? <laughs> I'm trashing right now. Sitting on the waves are waves are are lapping, and you know, got a little crazy out there. And I pulled out my phone because I could see nothing but the ocean. And it was just one of those moments where I thought, you know what, I need to just read the Bible in this moment and, and be reminded of God's majesty, his greatness, his power. And I, I turned to Psalm 93. This is what the scriptures say. This is what David writes. And this is how I'm going to close today. And I want this to be a reminder to you. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is rooted in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. But mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. The Lord on high is mighty. If you've ever been to the ocean, 
a hurricane didn't hit, but we were getting waters, you know, peripheral waters from the hurricane, and they were crashing. We had the double flags, flags out. You couldn't go out into the water, and there were big-time waves hitting. And you see the immense power and the undertow and the strength. And David reminds us, as mighty as those waves are that are pounding, it's nothing compared to the might and strength of the God that we serve. And if we're going to contend for unity, well, we need to be anchored to the one true source of power and might and strength, and that is God Almighty. It starts there. And then from there, we, we choose to respect and love our brothers and sisters who look and think differently than us. We choose, we make the hard choice. It doesn't mean you don't have hard conversations, but it, you, you believe the best. And you contend for unity. We, we reject the notion of demonizing one another. We recalibrate our purpose and we remember that Jesus has not lost. All power belongs to him. Amen? This is the unity that I'm fighting for, that I'm believing for, and that I believe our church is going to see and is seeing produced in our community. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I sure love you. I'm going to pray for us, actually, before we, we close today. I know there's, there's a lot of heavy hearts heading into the next couple weeks. There's a lot of apprehension. And I want you to hold to these truths. Hold to them. Art of leading yourself in this moment. Father, thank you. God, by the power of your spirit, I pray that you would minister to us in our homes, minister to us as we're watching on screens, help us to be the kind of people, Lord. Lord, who see your church united in this moment contending for what matters most. Lord, we choose to love one another. We choose to, to respect and honor one another, to be humble and gentle in this season. Humble and gentle in this moment. God, we reject the temptation to, to demonize each other. Uh, Lord, we, 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 we accept the mission and purpose of your church it's our mission. It's our purpose, Lord. God, and we choose to remind ourselves in the deepest parts of our soul and spirit that Jesus, you are in control. There's no one like you. We love you and we worship you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Sure do love you. Even as we close today, I want to remind you, number one, that you can get connected at High Point at any time. You can text HPINFO to 97000. Again, that's HPINFO to 97000. You'll get a little link that gets texted back to you. and You can give online through that. You can get connected in a life group. You can fill out our digital communication card where we'll pray with you, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, we have people who are standing by in real time. Uh, who are happy to pray with you as well. Uh, we want to see you grow. We want to see you grow and become more like Jesus. And I believe this is an incredible opportunity for you and I to do just that. 
All right. Have a great week and stay tuned for our upcoming outdoor service details. We're going to be getting them out to you as quickly and as soon as possible. All right. Love you. Have a great week. Thank you.